Welcome to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. I'm Joey Roberts. Welcome to 15 Minutes of Fearless. We have Jamie Davidson, my business partner at AMZ Insiders, joining today. Jamie has grown his iPhone accessory Amazon business up to nine figures. And one of the coolest things I like to learn about from Jamie is how they went from Amazon into retail stores. So Jamie, so thrilled to have you on today to dig into this really cool expansion. Yeah, always great to uh, connect here on The Fearless Seller. So thanks for having me. Jamie, can you walk us through the initial stages of selling iPhone accessories on Amazon? Like what even inspired you to begin that journey? Yeah, it was it was really this uh, passion of always wanting to do something more entrepreneurial. I'd always kind of dabbled in it with a few other smaller things through my corporate career. So uh, I would say even though you know I was successful from a... a corporate standpoint, as a chief operating officer, as a CEO of a, uh, a private equity backed, uh, two different private equity backed companies, I was still technically an employee, uh, had some ownership in the company, but not like when you start uh, a business yourself. So it, it came along from just that passion of uh, the desire to not be tied to uh, the will of a private equity company or having to potentially move across the country for the next deal and the next deal. And I, you know, three boys, especially three young boys at the time that I just uh, wanted to have more control and the opportunity, like a lot of us, to, uh, to have no cap on how much money we can make and, and uh, what we could achieve. And you took the business, you were all in with you and your partners, and it grew rapidly. And you guys have been at it a long time. At what point did you decide to transition from Amazon to the brick and mortar retail stores? Because that's a significant leap. Yeah. So it was uh, a few years in, it wasn't something that we considered right away. Uh, there's a couple aspects too, because there's Amazon has, uh, it's known as vendor central, right? So when people see sold by Amazon, right, that's Amazon basically having us as, you know, we're basically a vendor for Amazon and they're buying our product and reselling it, buying it from us. So it's a similar concept to actually retail that you become a vendor for, you know, Walmart or a vendor for Lowe's, you know, whoever it may be. Um, so it was a couple of years in first Amazon, you know, going back to the Amazon, Amazon actually approached us first about being a vendor for them. And oh. we said no. And, and they said, Oh, you know, they had a meeting with us saying you're leaving like you know eight million dollars on the table by not coming aboard with us. And so we actually did that first and then we uh kind of expanded into retail uh after that. But there's similar concept, but the Amazon one of course is just online, but the uh the brick and mortar is uh you know in retail stores, but there's some similar processes between the two. So how did you actually do it? Like you have to manage the inventory and it's very different to manage Amazon inventory versus physical stores, right? It's kind of like a different ball game. Yeah. So, you know, some of the things you know, in our case, we, we did designate a, a team member to just own that, to own those relationships, the coordination to get into stores. We actually brought someone aboard that had some experience. Um, so that was helpful in terms of working with buyers, you know, so stores will have buyers that will, um, you can 
you know, they're basically throughout the course of the year, they're looking for products to bring in. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it can be seasonal or depending on what they're focused on at a certain point of the year when they're interested in your product. But yeah, so we did that. But to your point, you know, there's certain aspects that are very similar to the fundamentals of Amazon. They're just fundamental to retail. So you mentioned like inventory. Inventory management is always important. But when you are basically a vendor, uh, you've got to be really ready in terms of the inventory side of things because, you know, there's a couple of things. One, when they're going to place their orders. Two, you may have to integrate into their uh, supply chain system. Like Walmart, you know, has a, a specific system that you need to make sure you can plug into so they can place their orders for you. Uh, you know, there's a whole process in terms of onboarding. Most of the vendors, like the big national ones, are going to want to run a test first, right? They're not going to roll you out to every store. They're going to run a, a test as kind of the first gate. And if you kind of pass that test, then you can, you know, potentially expand uh, to all the stores nationally. What were some of the first stores you got into? Uh, some of the first ones were uh, like Lowe's and Best Buy um, because uh, Best Buy obviously made, you know, in the cell phone accessory space and cell phone cases, they, that was like a easy fit because of that was, you know, the nature of those, those businesses like that. Lowe's was a little bit different, but they were looking to expand into that category of accessories and kind of like uh, almost like Radio Shack, right? Radio Shack uh, decline, but Home Depot and, and Lowe's kind of pick it up. So we did, we were in uh, a few of those spots. Um, but, uh, you know, the other thing you got to talk, talk about, I'm sure is the other big difference between Amazon and physical retail stores is, is certainly packaging, uh, can make a, make a big difference. So that's, you know, an element that is very different compared to selling on Amazon. Yeah. I mean, the whole customer experience is different from when you're online on Amazon to now you're actually in a store and it's kind of a significant difference because branding has to be made for that specific experience. So let's talk about that. How did you differentiate your packaging and your brand for the retail stores? Yeah. And, and the things we're talking about here are also not just when you're in the store, even before you ever get into a store, these are the type of questions and things that are going to be really important to the store when you first meet with them because they want to know, you know, what kind of packaging do you have? They're going to want to know basically your sales plan. They're going to know how successful has this product been on Amazon or wherever you've been. So essentially, uh, packaging will be part of that. They want to know that you're you, know, you have the ability to grow with them and fit with them, uh, and packaging will be part of that discussion, right? So if if your product's in a, a poly little plastic poly bag. That's not going to cut it, you know, in terms of being on the on the shelf at a, uh, you know, at a retail store. So, for example, like at Walmart or somewhere else. So, yeah, to your point, you know, packaging is a huge one. You got to think depending, obviously, unique to each product. In our case, uh, like a cell phone case, like a lot of times it would be hanging, like hanging off a peg. So you had to have a totally different design where it could physically hang off there. Uh, so that was, you know, certainly different. And then, you know, within the story, it's totally different. You know, on Amazon, everything's done by keyword uh, search terms, keywords or search terms. But obviously in a store, everything is just physical location. And so, you know, your product has to be uh, visible, has to be available. It can't be like tucked away, has to look presentable, et cetera. So, you know, some of that's kind of in negotiation with the store. Or if you're ever in a store and you see like, you'll see someone working at, at down an aisle, 
that may be the vendor, not someone from the from the actual store, because they're trying to make sure their product is you know in stock and it looks great. That there's edu- maybe some kind of information on the product, depending on you know if that's needed as well. Yeah, there's so much you have to do to stop and grab their attention because now it's on a shelf or it's hanging. And I don't know, it makes me start to think of like, well, on page one of Amazon, you're scrolling and you want people to stop on your listing. So two different experiences, but you still have to use your your branding and design mind to give the customer experience. Yeah, and, I, and that's why the, the number one thing, you know, I did have a background working in retail for a part of my career, which was at Home Depot as as you know, as you like to remind me, but you know, from that experience though, being out of stock was something that we knew just absolutely killed. It was like one of our number one mm-hmm. metrics. And so that's why on Amazon, it, this exact same thing applies. If you're out of stock, it just kills your brand. It, kill, it really hurts Amazon as well too, but same thing in store, right? If you go to a store and you go and look at that shelf and you're looking for that product and it's out of stock, it's a really bad customer experience, right? So that's where it all starts is got to be in stock. And then from there, yeah, the product has to be presentable. It has to be, can't be tucked away in the back. It's got to be up there. Ideally, you know, with a store, if you can get like on an end cap, like one of the end of the aisles where everyone's walking down the main places, that's always desirable. So, you know, sometimes seasonally or certain parts of the year, you can get your product kind of profiled with some other products, uh, you know, because the stores are always looking to, mix things up and have different things for the customer walking through. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's kind of straightforward ways you can do that, but usually that's kind of in coordination with the store, uh, and kind of helping to promote your product. And what advice do you have for listeners who want to get into retail? Like what's the first step? Yeah. So a couple of things. One is I would look to be successful in, the one platform and first two. So build your Amazon private label FBA business as successfully as possible. Uh, initially, don't don't try to do too many things at once. Um, and you want to have ideally multiple, in most cases, multiple products. So you don't want to go to a store and go, hey, I've got, you know, I'm selling my lacrosse massage ball. And they're like, okay, tell me about your brand. It's like, oh, no, it's just this. This is all I have, right? Ideally, you want to have a suite of products, a brand, some track record, because that's going to allow you to get more traction with there essentially, you know, step one is to show like you can present basically your business plan of your of your product, um, why your product is dip- better than the competitors, what's different about it, you know. So why you know Target wants to carry your product or or Walmart, right? They want to have really good, interesting products and brands. So uh, so that's the first thing. the The second thing is there's going to be a uh, you know basically an application. So there's like a vendor application. So for example, for Walmart. Uh, et cetera, as well, too. Um, the third thing, which you talk a lot about, Joey, is you got to really know your margins of your product because the profitability, of course, is so important. And like, so getting in Walmart could be a home run. Like there's a, there's a guy locally here. I've helped a little bit, uh, Robert. And Robert has had a really successful uh, coffee uh, product, like a coffee making product. And he's had some ups and downs on Amazon, but he got a contract with uh, an agreement with uh, Walmart this past year, this year, and he's got like 30% margins on Walmart and he's got like guaranteed orders or very large orders coming in. So now if he can execute upon that, he's got really, he's got better profitability than he does on Amazon suddenly. Um, But 
that's not always the case because you know the buyers from these things are going to try to negotiate your product down. I mean, Walmart's famous for this because they want to have super low prices for the customer, which means they're going to really try to squeeze you. So you've got to just make sure you really know kind of what your numbers are and what you can afford to, because there's no point of spending all this time and effort if at the end of the day you're going to make a three percent profit, right? So you got to make sure you have you know a nice cushion in there for you. Just like you know you often talk about you know that you like your margins big. You have to make sure you know you have that built in if you're going to go through the effort to uh, you know to go into retail itself. Yeah, exactly. And even though the volume is there, you still have to watch your margins. And maybe they could be a little bit lower because you're knowing the big volume orders are coming in. But yeah, getting below fifteen percent sounds like terrifying to me. So yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, so you've learned a lot of lessons from going and transitioning into retail and into other countries, but like specifically with retail, looking back on the journey, is there any like key moment you remember that you kind of learned something or was like a milestone? Yeah, I think the, one of the biggest things for us that stood out was, is the packaging discussion. And that can be on both sides because ultimately we, pulled back from retail. Uh, in our case, because our, our sales were going so strong on Amazon that uh, for us, the uh, the cost of the packaging is like a, you know, a huge factor. And so we made a decision at some point that we wanted to kind of triple down back on Amazon and we wanted our packaging to be as cheap as possible and as light as possible that we just wanted to full solely focus on that versus having multiple packages and crossways. So it goes back to just those costs. The math has to work. If your product, like I described the example with Robert, where it's pretty straightforward, this product that fits a home run, but you got to really understand the, the numbers. And there may be a case where you do it for a while or X period of time and it's profitable and it does well. And then maybe you don't. Uh, and so we kind of had that experience where, you know, we sell on you know, 25 different e-commerce platforms. We, we want to get back just to e-commerce uh, because scaling across, you know, that on and on was not going to be our bread and butter for, for our products. Yeah. And especially today, packaging is expensive, especially to stand out. And it's important, more important now to have good packaging on Amazon, but nothing like in the store when it's hanging there. I'd, I like on Amazon, you can just have like beautiful pictures to get them to come in and stand behind the quality of your product. Totally. Yeah. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for coming on to 15 Minutes of Fearless and always congratulations on your huge success of being a top Amazon seller. And it's a pleasure to host you. And until next time, stay fearless. If you're already selling on Amazon or you're looking to get started and you want my help, go to amzfearless.com to book a free strategy selling session, we can see if we can help you out. That's amzfearless.com. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. Until next time, stay fearless. <laughs>